Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Uh, let's get busy. Hour two. Uh, it is a great day for talk radio. The Friday edition. Of course, Danny was just mentioning very cold, bitterly cold continues through the weekend. And then, of course, next week I'll be away. Uh, so, we're just, so hey, there will be no weather. It doesn't make uh, any difference to me. So uh, it's like the tree falling in the forest. If I'm not here to experience it, how do I know how cold it is? Right? Little philosophy there for you. Okay, Socrates, let's move forward. Uh, on these matters of MacArthur and Bissonnette and the sentencing, I've been on record as suggesting that these things seem disproportionate to the heinous nature of the crime, but we've heard from the legal community that there may be reasons, including the judge, for uh, sentencing no parole eligibility for MacArthur for 25 years, not that he's ever going to see uh, the outside walls of uh, a prison because he's going away for the rest of his naturals, but the symbolism of uh, 25 years, I mean, as opposed to 50 or 200 for that matter, I'm a big fan of symbolism. Let's see why the judge decided, uh, in many people's opinion, he went light on this. Joseph Newberger has joined us, Global News Radio's law expert with Newberger and the Partners. Joseph, good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. How are you? I'm very good. A little bewildered. I mean, where the judge in the MacArthur sentencing uh, gave eight concurrent life sentences, and uh, he won't be eligible for parole for 25 years. So it's not consecutive, as the Crown had been looking at, or a lot of people had been braying for. Uh, Do you have a problem with that? Not really. I've been able to review the judgment um, briefly, and I I have to say tremendous respect for the judge who was handling the sentencing. He's an exceptionally seasoned judge and a former prosecutor who handled very complex and difficult murder cases. So first, he's not a light touch. Two, he's very pragmatic. Um, And in this instance, the the heinous nature of the crime speak for themselves. But what his honor put some emphasis on, which I agree with him, is two things. One, um, the it seems that Mr. MacArthur's approach from the get-go was working towards a resolution. He he waived the preliminary inquiry, and then even when they went to Superior Court, the idea was to work out a resolution. So that has a tremendous mitigating factor that has to be considered by a court, because you can imagine other individuals, like Dellen Millard, who would savor in the spectacle of a trial that puts the families and the community through not only horrific trauma of reliving it in a trial, but great expense to to our tax dollars, Mr. MacArthur didn't do that. And as much as he did not express remorse, his plea of guilty to eight counts without any mitigation with respect to the facts, I think is fairly significant. And his honor placed emphasis on that. And second, the parole eligibility of 25 years will put him at age of 91. And his honor correctly noted that his chances of parole at that stage are slim to none because the parole board will look at the exact factors that will that a court will look at will be the nature of the offense the the violence the the serial nature of it and you know the, the effect to the families etc 
this gentleman is never, ever, ever going to see daylight. And so it is symbolism, as you exactly said. And in Canada, we've never been really given to the United States style of sentencing where you get 200 years and 300 years. And as much as it may feel good from a symbolic standpoint, this is closure. There is some credit given to the fact that he's pled guilty. There is an end of the proceedings. And the reality is the community can rest safe is never going to get parole. Again, with Joseph Newberger, he's Global News Radio's law expert on the sentencing today of Bruce MacArthur, as well as Alexander Bissonnette in Quebec City. On this MacArthur sentence, where the Judge McMahon said, sentencing the accused to parole ineligibility until he's 116 years of age is symbolic, which is what the Crown and uh, I'm arguing for, frankly. But then he goes on to say, there's a fine line between retribution, which is an appropriate sentencing principle, and vengeance which I guess he's intimating is not. So what's the distinction between retribution and vengeance? Well, vengeance is where you're going to inflict as much punishment on somebody simply to hurt them. Uh, You know, retribution and denunciation are two very important principles to deal with the specific conduct and rebuke it. Um, He doesn't want to see, I think by what he's articulating, is that our sentencing regime goes to the end of being a vengeance type of sentencing. And it's, again, because we've had a very balanced system in Canada for decades and for a very long time. And I think we're all served very well by having such a civil balance system in Canada. And so he wanted to draw that fine line because the reality is, rather than trying to placate those who may want a vengeance type of sentence, what we are looking at is protection of the community, denunciation of the horrific nature of these offenses, and the fact that this individual really will not get parole. It's, it, 91 is just really a benchmark where he may have a parole hearing, but it's just not going to happen. All right. so, so vengeance is realistic. Vengeance is off the table. I guess the argument is similar to why we uh, decided to uh, scotch capital punishment, because supposedly it coarsens the society. That's one of the, you know, if you lapse into barbarity, this is the argument that was made, uh, therefore we ought not to. Notwithstanding that there may be some cases where uh, people were unjustly accused and uh, went to an untimely end. So you're yeah. saying vengeance yeah. does, uh, again, have a corrosive effect. It does. I think it does. It, it's particularly in our, in Canada, the way we deal with things in the criminal justice system, I think it can be incredibly corrosive and not helpful. Again, with Joseph Newberger, let me just uh, pivot over here to the Bissonnette case, where, uh, likewise, the judge decided that a life sentence with eligibility for parole between 35 and 42 years is fair and just. He killed six people. I mean, again, a lot of people are curious why that seems to be the yardstick. Well, you know, that again, he the sentences were to be, uh, the murder sentences were concurrent, and then he added 15 years on top. Uh, for parole and eligibility for the sixth count. And so we calculated 40 would be appropriate in these circumstances. He took a similar approach to say that a 150-year sentence would be cruel and unusual punishment. And, and, and when we look at it again, it's a situation where I think the judge is trying to strike a balance between what are appropriate sentencing principles in Canada and really what is reality as opposed to going to the side of vengeance and creating a symbolic sentence that really is meaningless. Again, this individual, this Annette, who's involved in such a callous, you know, uh, horrific type of act, uh, killing these defenseless individuals and wounding and maiming others. Again, chance of parole at 40 years for this individual is also slim. Their risk profile can be off the charts given what they've done. And so this is an individual, again, who, you know, may be highly unlikely ever to see daylight again.
Well, uh, we would hope that, but I mean, uh, the window is such that he would be at least eligible by the time he's 67, and that should maybe give us pause, but you're saying the chances are very, very slim and none. Let me ask you another thing, because I'm kind of curious, in cases like, well, with Bissonette, you know, if you're trying to uh, defend the individual in this heinous act, and uh, whether, you know, you're trying to prove he's not criminally responsible or he's got mental health issues, when it comes to uh, expert witnesses in a courtroom, uh, who decides who the expert witnesses are and who lends credence to what they have to say? Well, in a case like this, Annette, there's no, there's no defense of uh, mental disorder that, that was applicable. But in other cases where there is an NCR uh, defense, um, there's various ways that you go about it. So the defense would retain experts who are commonly uh, known and well-respected in the area of forensic psychiatry, and they will do assessments. And then also there can be a court-ordered assessment where the individual will go off to either the Center for Addiction Mental Health or some other facility for a court-ordered assessment. And then in some instances, in the case I have, we consented to the Crown picking their own psychiatrist and doing an assessment as well. And then if it comes to a trial, all experts will have their reports filed and then will testify, and it's up to the judge to determine what evidence uh, he or she wants to accept and put great weight on in determining whether the defense has been made out under Section 16 of the Criminal Code. All right. So it rests with the judge ultimately, and uh, because people might be shopping for sympathetic testimony, right? Yeah. And so so NCR cases can be run in front of a jury as well, but a lot of the time it's judge alone. But um, if you want credibility uh, for your own position as a defense lawyer, you're going to be choosing experts who are generally well-respected and well-regarded. And in, again, in Canada, the experts who are quite well-known in this forensic field often are retained by the Crown, often do individual court-ordered assessments for dangerous offenders and not criminally responsible and fitness. So these are individuals we see very commonly uh, in the criminal justice system, and so they have inherent credibility. But sometimes experts will you know, differ with respect to what a diagnosis may be and how it played out in certain circumstances. All right. Well, Joe, it's always comprehensive when we talk to you. I uh, really do learn a lot. I appreciate your time and have a great weekend. Thanks, John. Take care. Be well. You got it. Joseph Newberger, Global News Radio's law expert with Newberger and Partners. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 